I'm Kieran Valley. And I'm Kate Valley. And this is Friday Night Blockbuster, the podcast about our favorite movies of the 2000s. Before we get into this week's movie, uh, I think we need to do a little TV talk. Okay. Because you have recently watched the, well, I was going to say the first two, but the only two seasons of The Bear. Yes. And I'm very curious what you think overall of the whole show because it has very quickly become one of my favorite shows on TV. Has it really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is like pretty phenomenal. And re-watching a few episodes with you guys here and there over the last couple of weeks, I was like, this is like from a writing standpoint, from a performance standpoint, this this has it all. Like it is it is damn near perfect. So for me, Bear was one that I had seen online, other people kind of talk about it. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll check it out and whatever. And then I just saw a clip from the second season and immediately was like, okay, wait, what show is this? (laughs) And so I think I went on and I watched the first episode by myself. And then the next night we were about to sit down for dinner and mom and Chris were kind of like, oh, what are we putting on? And I was like, well, like we could put on this show. I was like, I can fill you guys in on what happened in the first episode and we can go from there and. If you guys aren't fans, I'll just keep watching it on my own. But if not, then at least we have a show together. And I think we watched all two seasons in a week. Yeah. You <laughs> Maybe. Guys, you guys like ran through it so quickly. <laughs> like so much so that we would get Briar down at night. And sometimes it would be like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And it would be like, well, we have time for two episodes. So like we might as well. I loved it. Like I... It doesn't sound like a compliment. You get so much anxiety watching the show, but it's just because they put you in to it. Like, you do feel like you're in the kitchen sometimes and having the ticket machine going off and just kind of constantly going or having the timers go off and things like that. Like, you are just, you feel like you're surrounded by everybody. I picked up on some of the writing stuff, some of the things that they would say in an earlier episode coming back later. Some of that I picked up on, probably not all of them. Um, But I would be interested if I went back in a couple months and rewatched it, would I notice some of like the little breadcrumbs and things like that. But I loved it. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure that when you said that you were kind of interested in checking it out or you were asking questions about what the bear is all about. And I I sort of like, not that I pushed you into it, but I was kind of like, oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. (laughs) Now, I was saying that because I was a fan of the show, but there was a part of me that was like, this is not the type of TV that Kate normally enjoys watching. So, like, why do you think you did enjoy it so much? Because it is very stressful. It is extremely stressful. There is one episode in the first season that's 20 minutes and you don't breathe in that 20 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) And the the second season, there's an episode for an an hour hour. where you don't breathe. Um, I don't know. I think it's just you really start to feel for Carmi, who's the main character. And you can just see that he wants to do well. Like he wants, uh, he goes and he takes over his brother's shop and you start to find kind of put pieces together on the type of guy that his brother was and the things he was into and stuff like that but you can just see Carmi kind of being like 
yes, I've gone, I've explored the world, I've worked at all these top restaurants, but, like, this is my brother's store. Like, I need it to do well. I need it to do well for him. And so you're just there being, like, this poor guy, because he's probably, what, I late think 20s? A, I think he's supposed to be, like, late 20s, maybe early, early 30s. 30s. Like, like, he's supposed to, I think, season two, you get a sense that he's had quite a career yeah that we, that we didn't really fully understand in season one yeah and so like i just i love that i love that it's not set like it changes but it's not set at a big fancy restaurant that it is supposed to be just kind of a local sandwich shop yeah yeah <laughs> um and then it's just all the side characters who in season two all kind of get their own stories and you get to kind of flesh them out a little bit more as people But you can kind of just see that if somebody gave them the chance and gave them the tools and gave them the training, that they all would do really well. Yep. Like, (laughs) they just need that person to kind of believe in them. Believe in them and like spark that, spark the belief in themselves as well. So, yeah. I think the, um, for me, I, I, I definitely started watching it because I was a fan of Jeremy Allen White from, you know, I'd seen him in Shameless and I'd seen him in a few movies. And I was sort of like, okay, this guy's interesting. Like, you know, he's now the lead on a TV show. Like, let's see, kind of see what he could do. But you, I think you stick around because of the supporting cast. Yeah. Where you're just like, God damn it. These people are so vivid. And like, you kind of feel like, you know, like I know 10 versions of a Richie sort of yeah. thing. You know what I mean? And, and so you sort of, you see little snippets of people that you know in these characters that then makes them feel more real and believable. And like you were saying, second season, a number of the characters kind of get their own episodes where we get, oh, a little bit more backstory, a little bit more understanding of who they are. And you're just like, God damn it, I cannot wait for season three. Yeah. Cannot wait. I think every episode, my like favorite person kind of changes. Yeah. Yeah. Just based off of kind of who gets that little bit more screen time or who got that great line or whatever, but yeah, it was just great. I think the thing that shocked us was when we were watching, I don't know if you were in the, ep- like watching that episode with us, but when you told us like a chef that we've actually gone to his restaurant. Yeah. Matt, Maddie Matheson. Yeah. <laughs> so like we've been to his restaurant and we've, he's we've eaten his food <laughs> and the fact that he was in the show, but not as a chef at all. Yeah, He doesn't get to cook a thing. They do not let him near, the food at all on the show i think at this point it must be like a running bit like yeah the, they just the, won't ever let him near they, food yeah I think. they won't but. let him near any of the food and like it works like his character is supposed to be kind of this neighborhood i'm going to say handyman but like kind of slash bum like yeah you know what i mean like i think he kind of just hangs about the neighborhood and kind of knows everybody and everybody knows him but he's a bit aimless in life and he just gets into this restaurant and he can he can do some handiwork for them and he can repair things. And then all of a sudden, you know, by the end of season two, he's like the maitre d'. Yeah. Like he's he's rising through the ranks. Oh, man. When he appeared in season two with his suit and oh, his hair all. So like, good. I was just like, well done, man. Well he done. So good. He looks so good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's interesting that they're they are moving now to like really fine dining upscale stuff because. I think there's a little part of me, like, I, I'm still obviously interested. I'm still curious to see what they do in the future. But there's a little part of me where it's like, when it was the local sandwich shop, it was sort of like, yeah, I've been there. I've, yeah. I've been to the local sandwich shop. Like, I know, you know what I mean? Like, we've now gone to one a couple of times. And, like, you hear the way that 
the the staff like interact with each other and you're like yeah when they do that on the bear like i've seen that that yeah. is or when they interact with customers yeah, who, who, are, who are regulars or who whatever. have been in yeah. every day or once a week yeah. or yeah. whatever they know the order yeah and, yeah whereas with like the fine dining thing like that i'm just not in that world so now whatever they do i'll it'll be like peeking behind the curtain a little bit but i won't have that personal experience or that personal knowledge to sort of be like oh yeah like that's how that goes down. Yeah. Like that's how that happens. So I'm still curious, and I, I think it's like a brilliantly written show and 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 acted shows. Like I'm obviously I'm obviously still interested, but yeah, it's just it's we'll see we'll, we'll see, see what season three takes us. Do you want so, to talk about your favorite person on the show just briefly? Do you want wow. to just mention her? <laughs> like I just completely fell in love with Molly Gordon <laughs> on the show. I like she plays such a like a lovely character. That's the other thing is like yeah. She comes in and she's just a ray of sunshine on, especially in Carmi's life, but on the show. And, you know, we've talked about the fact that uh, Carmi can't accept any goodness. Like, I think the the thing that maybe sets the show apart from other sort of shows that are a little bit similar, where it's like other shows punish their characters because it's sort of like, no, like that's the world. And like the world is a horrible place. And like the world is just going to, you know, kick you in the ass. Whereas this show, like the characters get punished, but it's, they get punished because they won't accept the good things yeah. that are happening to them. And so, you know, the whole Carmi, uh, Claire relationship is, is a little bit like that, but yeah, I hope she's not gone. I hope Molly Gordon comes back because yeah, when she came on screen, I, I, I sort of, I fell in love pretty quick. I think you were here with us when we were about to watch that episode and you were, you were like, guys, watch, watch, just wait. And you like counted her down and she came and you're like, I am in love. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> an, an angel is on screen. Guys. Yeah. An angel is on screen. So yeah, that's like, I, that's the best thing. The bears, like obviously I watched the first season about a year ago. And then second season now is, is is wrapped up and finished. But I would say like this is the easily the best thing I've seen since like the end of Succession. Really? Yeah. Oh okay. my god! Like it is, it is so good. It is so good. And um, yeah, we'll see. Like I don't know how many more seasons they're gonna do. Obviously, this strike thing is throwing things out of whack a little bit. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where they go. From I think here. without the strike, I think this is a good show. Like. Three, maybe four seasons. I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't do a lot, um, I think. I think, well, yeah, like they've gotten themselves into a pattern now of like, especially with Carmi, who is our main character and he is the main chef and things like that, where it's sort of like once he gets over whatever mental block he has to like, and he, he talks about like, I, I do genuinely love that the show like has him go to therapy. Yeah. And like he is in, but like he's still struggling with the things that he's in therapy for. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think that's great. But um, I think once he kind of turns that corner, that'll probably be the end of the show because, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that I'm not interested in a show about a restaurant that just like functions really well. And that is doing well. And doing well, but like, kind of not interested in that yeah. so like well, i need the drama i need the stressful anxiety of you know the the kitchen literally burning down yes. so um yeah i i think i think probably three or four it will probably max out at that but yeah we'll see like the like these air or these actors are getting like really famous now because of this show so how much longer will they want to be on this tv show instead of making 
movies or a show where they're the lead or, you know, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. So this week, we're going back to March 5th, 2004. And uh, like I teased last week, we're talking about a movie that we actually both did see in movie theaters. Still uh, no memory, though. Right? Still but no memory, but that's that's fine. fine. You would have been... A two, lot of- 2003? 2003, sorry? Well, like, what would have been in theaters in 2003? So, I would have been 10? 10? Yeah. Yeah, you probably don't have any memory no, of this. No yeah. memory. Okay, well, we definitely did go see it. Okay. We definitely did go see it. We're, of course, talking about School of Rock, the Richard Linklater movie uh, starring Jack Black, which, like, as soon as we decided to do this movie, I was like, oh, we've done two Linklaters now, like, Oh. Very quickly as well. Like, we just did the before movies. So, like, when we first started to organize the movies that we wanted to do, we were sort of like, yeah, well, we're going to wait a long time to do a second Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. And then I think within that time, we ended up doing two Steven Spielberg and two Richard Linklaters. Yeah. So we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Our, like, good planning ahead has <laughs> yeah. kind of... It's been very selective, yeah. I think. We've been very selective on like, well, we need to plan this one way out in advance. And then other weeks we're sort of like, you just want to talk about this movie? Yeah. Um, so yeah, anyways, School of Rock. We both watched it over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a little bit higher on it than you are. I think you were a little bit more mixed on it. Yeah. Now, like, is this the first time that you've watched the movie since seeing it in the movie theater? I don't think so. It's the first time I've seen it, though, and maybe... Taken note of it or something? Taken note of it, yeah. and, like, maybe in, like, ten years. Okay. Like, I, it's been a long time since I sat down and watched the whole thing. Once again, I think it's a movie where you see clips online or you see clips on TV and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I might watch five minutes, but I haven't sat down and watched it in years. So I think this is maybe one of the movies from, like, our generation of, like people growing up and stuff like that, that's like a foundational piece of movie. Like I've talked to a lot of people about this movie and about how much they love this movie because they watched it when they were 12 years old. Oh, see, I don't think my friend group. No? No. Did you think this one missed them a little yeah. bit? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So maybe it's my generation yeah. of people. <laughs> Not even that, but I think it's just what my friends were into growing up wasn't rock music this right? right so yeah yeah i guess like it is yeah the music in this is pretty rock heavy obviously um but yeah I, there's something about it there's something that like endures about this movie a lot of people think you know it's a pretty perfect movie and i think it's because of the nostalgia of going back to like when they saw this when they were a young kid okay i was gonna say i made a face when you said perfect movie because it is not a perfect movie for well me. <laughs> okay so we can get into that because I think that the the big thing that we maybe need to unpack here is like, do you enjoy Jack Black? I did not enjoy him at all in this. In this or at all, ever? So I think for the most part, I'm not really a fan. I was kind of looking back or trying to remind myself of some of his other movies. If he's a voice actor, I don't mind him. Okay. I think when he is actually acting and it's him on the screen... I just find him too extra. I find him too over the top. <laughs> oh my god. We try to crack into like what is it, the Gen Z uh population with that? Should I be getting some more lingo? What do you mean? Extra? 
just like I don't think I've ever heard you use that oh. word before. It's a good word to describe okay. Jack Black. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever heard you use okay. that in any context ever. Oh yeah, so I think for the most part, I just find him too over the top. Maybe I'm like looking at his movies again. The Holiday, he's like not playing that kind of character. He is a little uh, bit though. But like he's, he's toned... kind of always got this in him. Yeah. yeah. But even that, like, I would say he's pretty toned down right. in that. Probably because he's starring opposite Kate Winslet, who's like, yes, <laughs> fucking get your shit together, dude. <laughs> but yeah, so for the most part, I just, yeah, he's too over the top for me. So. I, I think I tend to agree. I'm not necessarily a big fan of his. Okay, I thought you were going to defend him for a no, second. I was going to be like, no, wow, okay. No, I... I I tend to think a little bit of Jack Black goes a really long way. So I I, re, I like him when he's in a supporting role. Yes. Um, and he can kind of show up for 10, 15 minutes and just sort of like blow the doors off. Um, there's a movie that we may end up doing called High Fidelity, where it's all about like a group of uh, record store employees, right? And he's kind of like fourth lead in that movie. Okay. Maybe fifth, like depending on how you kind of break things down. And it's, like, perfect. Like, he shows up for all the scenes in the record store. He's kind of a prick. And, you know, like, he's he's just, like, his whole thing, like, works to the arrogance of that character. Oh, okay. Um, like, all the energy and the, you know, heightened mannerisms and stuff like that work for that character. But he's kind of only in the movie for about 20 minutes. Yeah, I think that perfect amount. <laughs> and that's kind of the perfect amount. Obviously, you know, when he when he shows up into something like this like he's in every scene and yeah. so the movie kind of does succeed or fail based on do you like spending time with jack black and to be fair to him like in this movie i like him more than in other movies where he's the lead um i think that's because it's kind of wrapped up in this whole rock music history yeah that that he's doing and the characters doing and the movie is doing we're sort of like okay can overlook it a little bit but I think for me this time, the the big thing was, like, he's doing an over-the-top Robin Williams from, like, Dead Poets Society. Yeah. that's That was kind of like, oh, like, that's that's what he's doing. Like, he's doing that movie, just his version of it, which is, you know, 11 out of 10. I think if he had saved his over-the-topness for when he was out on stage, then you would almost be like, oh, that's his persona like that right. is right yeah when he was being the teacher part or whatever even if he was toned down a little bit i could see him then as kind of two different people like right. you would see yeah, him yeah, as yeah. dewey and then rock dewey right. or whatever right but like i just felt like he was always rock dewey <laughs> well, i think but i think that's kind of the point of the character a little bit where it's like he just can't separate himself he can't separate himself which is why he's stuck in this you know, fantasy of I'm going to be a rock star. It's because that is his whole life. Whereas his friend um, is sort of like, no, you need to grow up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but like, he can't do it. Like he's like completely suspended um, in this sort of like adolescence or whatever. But like, he does get a few sort of like quieter emotional scenes where I'm sort of like, okay, he did a good job here. But again, like I just kept coming back to like, Robin Williams in specifically Dead Poets Society, like way better, yeah. like just way better um, at like nailing those scenes partic in particular, which then meant 
the scenes where he's kind of crazy and, and manic, you're sort of like, oh, okay, like, you know, like that's him blowing off steam or whatever. Yeah. Whereas like this whole movie is that. So like, how much steam does this guy really have? Because yeah. like, he's kind of always rocking around with the lid off. But yeah. The other thing that like, because again, it, it's been a long time since I watched this movie as well. But the other thing that this reminded me of, I don't know if you ever watched this, but there were two, I guess it was a show and, and a movie documentary that were on, um, I think they were on like Much Music a lot. I can't, I can't remember. It was on like one of those music channels. There's like yeah. four or five music channels. Um, but there was a show called uh, Metal Evolution and then a, a documentary called Global Metal. And they were made by a Canadian guy, um, Sam Dunn. And the the Metal Evolution in particular was like a TV show where he like walked you through the stages of metal, you know, in, in England and North America and, you know, a little bit around the world. But that was mostly the global metal part. But like, you know, this trend led to this trend, which oh, then led cool. to this trend, which, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. he sort of walks you through it all and gives you this pretty comprehensive history of how the music evolved over the years and how we got certain sounds and, you know, why this band became a big deal and stuff like that. And there's uh, a mo the montage scene in, in the movie, in the middle of this movie, um, to the Ramones' uh, Bonzo Goes Bitburg, where, like, Dewey's doing a little bit of that. Like, he's actually yes. teaching the kids about music and about rock music, where I was like, oh, global metal. Like, you know... Metal Evolution. Yeah. That's, and like, I loved those shows, even though like, I wasn't really into that music and a lot of those bands I hadn't really heard of. You enjoyed like the history so and like it. the trend was, part yeah. of it. It was just a really, really great show. He, he eventually went on and, and produced the Hip Hop Evolution show that was on Netflix there a couple of years ago. Um, he did not host that one because he is a, a, a white metalhead. Yeah. Uh, but he produced it. And, um, yeah, I just like, there, there's something about the sort of like comprehensive history-ness of like these music, um, documentaries or, or TV series where it's sort of like, yeah, like if, if this whole movie had been that montage, I'd be like, yeah, it's great. Like <laughs> I'm not, no notes. Yeah. And I think I, so I hadn't seen either of those, um, partly because rock and metal and stuff is not my music wheelhouse. But, like, talking about School of Rock's montage and seeing kind of that history, I think even if they had done one scene where you actually got to hear him talk about yeah, it, yeah. I would have been like, oh, okay, so he does know, the like, I would have understood him teaching it a little bit more or something. Like, I might have gravitated to him more as a teacher then. Because, like, you only get to see him really perform. Yeah. Right? So, like... Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, actually. Because, yeah, we we sort of understand that he loves this music because he's always performing the music. But we don't actually get to see a, like, well, I was 16 when this came out. And, yeah. You know, like, this was the soundtrack to that summer. And, and like, that would have maybe made him yeah. feel a bit more human. Yeah. Or, like, something of, like, this is why I got into it. Like, yeah. this, this is the band that... Got me into music. Like, just something. I needed something, something to kind of ground him. Because I felt like he was always up high. <laughs> so Yeah, he's kind of, like, <laughs> spinning in orbit all the time. But again, like, I, that's kind of Jack Black's personality. So I yeah. guess that's why you hire him, is to do that. And, like, you know, I don't want to... I think all the little kids are pretty good in the movie. But, like, 
I think you kind of need somebody to always bring that energy. Well, yeah, all the kids, because they're kind of prep kids, yeah. are all supposed to be, like, if Jack Black's at 15, yeah. all of the kids are kind of at, like, 5. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, they, they seem low in, like, performance yeah. or in energy because he's so high. Yeah. And, like, so. yeah, I guess that's, like, the other part of the movie, then, is, like, you get to watch them sort of break out of their shells yeah. a little bit. Uh, like, he kind of, him being so extra, to use... <laughs> Your terminology. My new word um, that you've never heard. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've, I've heard it. I've just never heard you use it. Yeah. Um, but him being so extra, I guess, a lot, gives them permission to sort of break out of their shells a yeah. little bit to, to, to show a bit more of their own personalities. And, you know, he does get a few, like I was saying, like, there's a couple emotional moments where I, I was sort of like, yeah, he does a good job. Like, it's not oscar worthy no <laughs> but it's like no that was good though like that was good so like he gets a couple moments where the some of the kids have like self-doubt and things like that and he sort of you know meets them on their level and it sort of explains like you know you're going to be in a rock and roll band you're going to be a rock star like you know what i mean you can do whatever you want then because everyone's just going to automatically think you're cool and, and things yeah. like that so i think what we're getting at with jack black is that there's a balancing act yes and sometimes the movie finds it and often the movie doesn't <laughs> i sometimes think that that's a feature of the movie you obviously think it's a bug of the movie yeah but yeah we can uh we can we can move off of <laughs> okay off of jack black uh, well only i guess slightly can, slightly because <laughs> i the question that i really want to know maybe i should be saying this for the end but like the question i really want to know is do you think dewey was good like a good musician no. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. I don't think he's a good musician. <laughs> no. So, like, I think he is kind of a loser. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, like, like even at the end when he kind of gets his act together, like, I don't think he's good now. No, I think he's found his, like, niche or he's found his thing. Yeah. Where he gets to teach rock and roll. And yeah, teach. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so I think he's found... What he's going to excel at. Those those who can't do. Teach. He says that in the movie. <laughs> That's true. And obviously, I don't think he can do the music. And those that can't teach, teach Jim, apparently. Teach, teach Jim, yeah. I was thinking about my friend who's a gym teacher, and I was really like, well. <laughs> Could he, can he teach? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't find Dewey, I think if I was watching him perform, I wouldn't. I'd walk out. Uh, yeah. Like, I would either walk out or I would just actively not look at him. Yeah. Like, I would actively watch other people in his band. Well, I think the the scene at the very beginning, like, the opening credits where he's yeah. performing with his, his original band, like, we're supposed to kind of cringe at that. We're supposed to sort of be like, oh, this is a train wreck. And he is a train wreck. And, like, yes. you know, he's yeah. actively, not to say that, the rest of the band are very good or whatever, but like he's actively hurting this band yeah. by like his antics. They could be good. They but could he, be good. They might he, be good. But because he's so distracting, yeah. it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of taints the whole thing. But then like at the end of the movie, like he hasn't really learned any lessons. Like he's still performing exactly the same. That's very true. He's just doing it with a group of people who accept him to do it. You know That's what I mean? That's true. Um, and... Yeah, we, maybe we'll save the songs. We'll save the whole battle of the bands for the end. And we'll save the songs okay. for the end. But yeah, like there was just something about like the songs that he was writing in the classroom with the kids. I was like, these are not very good songs. No. And 
he just seems to have a like a lack of understanding of like the whole band as a whole and like how the whole unit should be working. You know what I mean? Like he obviously wants to be the front man and do his own thing and then like have this like supporting cast in behind him. But it's sort of like the best bands in the world find that, you know, again, balance of like, yeah. <laughs> this is how we all work together. And you know what I mean? So like, but he doesn't seem to really care about that. I don't, I don't know. Like, and like, I think if he wanted to be the front man, get a band, like I think the first band that he was in, they wanted to have that balance. Like they wanted to be a band. If you want to be the front man, be Dewey and the whatever. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like actually make your own band. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you be the front person and have them truly as supporting people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I think there, there was just a lot of like points or whatever where he'd be bringing things up. And I, I kind of constantly kept thinking like, he is coming from a place of like, oh, I saw this in, I saw this in a show once and I'm just going to do it. But like no understanding of why that was in the original show yeah. or like what the purpose of it was. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we'll have lasers and we'll have dry ice and we'll have, you know what I mean? But like, I think most of those things are are kind of thought out yeah. by the band or by, you know what I mean? Like there, there's not to ascribe a like artistic vision to a laser show. But like, I think there are points where it there it is used by bands, and then there's other points where it's not used by the band. Yeah. And, but like, Dewey is sort of just like, yeah, we we'll just have lasers. Yeah, I, I just want it all. <laughs> so, I just so, like, yeah, like I've seen or, this once, and we're doing it. Yeah, I think also it kind of works for him. Um, crowd surfing. Yes. Right. Yes, like yes. Once again, clearly he saw it. Clearly he knows other people in the past have done it. So he's just. Tries to fit it in. Yeah, he's going to no do it. No matter yeah. when. Yeah. And it's not kind of, it's not him being in the moment kind of being like, do you know what? They're vibing with me. Yeah. They, like, they've got me. If I jump in there, they will catch me and stuff. It's not like that instantaneous or spontaneous moment. It's him being like, I'm going to crowd surf. I'm going to crowd surf at this point in the song because I no longer need to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is my opportunity to... Yeah, there's a break in the music so I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, that's definitely how the first crowd surfing one goes. Like, obviously nobody in that room is interested. Yeah. uh, A, in their music, and B, in letting Dewey crowd surf. Um, And it it fails spectacularly. (laughs) But I, I think that the crowd surfing thing is definitely a, like that's how he feels admiration from the crowd. Like, you know, if he gets to crowd surf, he knows that they're killing it and they're putting on a good show. And if he doesn't, then, you know, he doesn't believe that it was a bad show, but, but the, the, the good one is that, yeah, he believes that, you know, they're, they're doing a, a, a good show and that the crowd are enjoying themselves and things like that. But yeah, I, again, I, I think, yeah, the, the crowd surfing at the end of the movie is very much a like, I'm going to do it now because the song is kind of over. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I yeah, I don't think he's a good musician. <laughs> I just yeah, watching it the other night, I was sort of like, "Oh, he's not very good. No. He's not very good." No. Uh these kids are way better than he is, all of them. And all in 3 weeks. I think is Well, but like they'd all had background in music already. Like they were already musicians, just not necessarily on the instruments he was teaching them on. But do you really think you can learn a new instrument in three weeks? 
Neither of us are musicians. Neither of us yeah. learned any instruments. So it's hard for us to like. So I'm, that's why I'm going to say yes, possibly. Okay. Because okay. I, I. You're am the not optimist. Speaking. Yeah. Well, I'm not speaking from the two of us? <laughs> a, a point of, of experience or, or know-how. But I think if you, if you do have already a sort of baseline in terms of like, so like, who are you pointing at specifically? To, because like Zach plays the guitar and then plays the electric guitar. Like. I don't necessarily know if the leap is that great. Well, so like I'm thinking Katie, who is sure. the bass, yeah, 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 right? Yeah, like yeah. she goes from cello to bass. Sure. But like she would already have an understanding of how the rhythm section in the band should yeah. function. And so all then you have to teach her is like a couple of the chords to kind of keep things moving along. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's not ripping solos on the bass. <laughs> so, you know, and like Lawrence is already... Playing, playing piano, piano yeah. and things like that. So, like, I, I think because most of them already have a baseline, like, I think the understanding is sort of like, yeah, they're, they're, they're picking this up pretty quickly. But, you know, like, how long? I don't think it's three weeks. I thought somebody in the movie says something about it being three weeks. Oh, I thought it was, like, a semester. Oh, I thought it was only three yeah. weeks. So that's why I was just like, oh, this was in three weeks. Like, you learn new instruments, a new genre, because I would also say going well, from classical. Yeah. That's, that's probably true. To, like rock right would be and it's, not, and it's not even just doing that but it's like you get this sense that most of these kids didn't even know what rock music was yeah they had no idea they weren't like allowed to listen to any of it yeah and so it's not that you're learning it like you have to understand like what it even sounds like you can't yeah. just make noise so yeah uh, I the the kids the kids picking up the instruments was like a very minor sort of like okay I'll just go along with that okay I think the, the interesting thing watching this movie now, like I said, the last time I probably watched it was at least 10 years ago, yeah. I would say. And then the time before that was probably the time we watched it in theaters that you don't remember. <laughs> but um, I, think I, I think I'm safe in assuming that I had always watched the movie through the point of view of like the kids and potentially Dewey. Okay. Where it's sort of like, yeah, this would be great. Like Having this, this kind of guy come in yeah, and yeah. take over our class take and... over our class and like we just get to make a rock band and you know all this sort of shit watching it this time i was like very much watching it through the eyes of miss mullins and the parents <laughs> being like this is a fucking nightmare yep. and like could you imagine <laughs> the shitstorm that would happen if who you thought was the substitute teacher for this entire classroom of kids was basically a bum off the street right and he just like walked in with a nice sweater vest and you're like, yeah, there's the classroom going ahead. Like I was, I was, I was like, oh my God. Like, I was sitting imagine? here, I was sitting here being like, if this happens in 10 years, 15 years, when Briar is 10 or 15 or whatever. And I get a call being like, so the substitute isn't a substitute, has no credit, like yeah. credentials, yeah. no nothing. I would be like, who is running the school? Yeah, exactly. Who, like, how did this guy get a into the school and teaching with nobody checking his ID? Like Miss Mullins got fired pretty quick, pretty quick. I'm like, I don't say that out of like happiness. I'm I'm quite a big John Cusack fan, yeah. and like this movie would have been better with more John Cusack. But yeah, she's she's not like the after the parent night. There's like 
the next day or whatever and yes. all the parents are in her her office and they're all yelling at yelling her. at her and i was sort of like oh she's not even making it to the next day no. like she's getting fired that night and they're not even she's not coming into school because tomorrow. like she has no leg to stand on no. she has no way no. to defend herself no she's just there in the front of her and being like okay can we all quiet down like the the one thing that i did sort of laugh at i don't know if I'd ever caught this before or not, but when he first arrives and she tells him to write his name on the chalkboard and he starts to write Schneebly. And he has no idea how he, to. He yeah. has no idea how to write Schneebly. He does get halfway through the name before he erases it. But then like, I think there's a cut to her and she's not sort of like, she's not picking up on the fact that he yeah. doesn't know how to write the name. She's not like, like, Oh, like, like how do you not know how to spell your own last name? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I looked it up. It's because he was spelling it correctly. He oh, was, was he? Yeah. He was actually spelling <laughs> Sneebly correctly and then just erased it and went, oh, just call me Mr. S. And so she was probably sitting there being like, well, that, that was his name. Like, that, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know what I mean? And, but I was sort of like, I don't know how I'd never seen that before. I never thought about that before. But I was like, yeah, he was actually spelling the name correctly. So Because there's a point when they're out on their coffee date. Coffee date, which involves two huge beers. Yeah. 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 And he, does he get her to call him Dewey and not Ned? Well, I think. Because well, he says Dewey's his middle name and he Dewey, goes by his yeah, middle, middle yeah, name or yeah. something. That, that's how the whole thing goes down. I think he says Dewey and she says, I thought your name was Ned. And he's like, oh, Dewey's my, and then she kind of accepts that and yeah. moves on. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would also be another point where you could kind of point to her and be like, pick up on that. Like. It's a bit of a red flag there <laughs> if you're paying attention. I know that you're a massive beer deep, but yeah. like, yeah. I, I do love that scene because obviously one of the highlights of this movie is the music. And in that scene, we get Stevie Nicks's Edge of 17. And like, that's just a hell of a song. <laughs> that's just a great song. And like, that's just song, like miming it. And... Well, but, like the thing is that song comes on the radio and I start miming it because not only because of this movie, but like, it's a great song. It's a great song. And it's one of many in this movie. Um, I might have to play it so we can see you mime someday. Yeah, it's, it's just a hell of a song. I love Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks. Are there any sort of like favorite scenes that you want to talk about? Like I know that you're a bit mixed on it, but I think is is most of your mixed feelings because you had to spend two, two hours, hours with Jack Black? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as take, a, yeah. take him aside. As a whole, I enjoyed yeah. the movie. Okay. I just... If I had to find a flaw in the movie, it would be... Jack Black. Jack Black. Who happens to be the lead actor yeah, in so every like, single scene. Yeah, so yeah. like that's not great. So it's a big flaw then. <laughs> it's a big flaw. Um, um, so him him aside, put put him to the corner for now. Any any favorite moments? Anything that like, you know, stick out? Uh, because it is a comedy. So like, were there any moments where you're like, that was really funny? I think their first gig or like when they try to get into the qualifying round or whatever oh, okay, for yeah. the band. Yeah, yeah. And they end up showing up later, the bill is filled, or whatever the problem was. And it cuts back to Jack Black, and he's waiting outside the theater, and he talks to the guy. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Like, I work at the hospital up the street, and, like, the kids, I just told them that they would be in this, and, like, I'm so sorry. And, oh yeah, they're all dying, and, like, it pants to all the kids, and Freddy's just on the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the kids are kind of looking depressed, like and Freddie's like passed out in the middle of the road. Yeah, yeah. And stuff, and then oh my god, what do they have? And whatever his fake 
disease was. Stick to the man. Uh, I- itis or itis? something? Neosis. Neosis? Neosis. Stick to the man neosis. Yeah. <laughs> and like, once again, it's like, how do you not realize that that's not a disease? Yeah. Like, how do you not? <laughs> like... uh, to be fair, to be fair to the, the <laughs> concert promoter, like, you could tell me that you had any sort of ailment. And if you put in like itis or neosis at the end of it, like you there's would... so many weird things out <laughs> there true. that I would sort of be like, oh, wow, like. I'd, I'd be like, hey, well, I've never heard of that. And be, oh, you're lucky. Yeah. It's like, yeah. But like for me, for not having seen this movie in I don't know how many years, I knew about that scene. And like I was kind of looking forward to that scene again. Because I right. like, yeah, I, I know I laugh every time because they are just, they're so funny. And then when they get the, put on to the program or whatever, and he goes out and tells them and they all jump up and he's like, you guys yeah. are supposed to be dying. You're supposed to be dying. <laughs> Yeah. Like, and then freddie freddie collapses again yeah. yeah yeah so what's yours uh well like i've already sort of talked about the the montage scene yeah to to bonzo goes to bitburg i i think for me that that is kind of like the highlight of the movie like that would be a scene where like if i came across if i came across that clip on youtube i probably would be like oh yeah i'll check this out for yeah. two minutes or whatever you know whatever length that it actually is I think, like, I just really love Joan Cusack. I think she's wonderful. So, like, all of her scenes are sort of like... Yeah, like, because she's just so great at being, like, a bit of a train wreck, kind of scary, but also, like, really endearing. And kind of put together, like... But, like, also a real mess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A real mess. And, like, there's, there's the scene really early on where she is the, like, a very young girl in the office, and she's kind of... She's obviously punishing, you know, she's, the, the young girl's getting in trouble for whatever reason. And uh, Joe Cusack just, like, is, like, very stern and has her arms crossed. And then, like, very, like, creepily, like, shoots out her arms. Like, do you want a hug? And the little girl just, like, screams in terror. And is like, no, I'll be good. And, like, runs out of the room. And I'm like, oh, it's so good. Like, it's so funny. So, I just, yeah. Any, anything with Joan Cusack. Joan, she can always crack me up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Do you think she would have, at the end of the movie, Spider, the guy that replaces Jack Black in his band, tries to hit on Joan Cusack? Do you think she'd go for it? I don't know, but like, not, I'm not going to say no immediately. No? No. I. She's got a bit of a wild side. That's true. Just so, get a beer in her again. And <laughs> put on some Stevie Nicks. Yep. And who knows? Let's see where the night takes us. But yeah, like. I think that would be uh, that would be an interesting couple. I, I've got a note on Spider, but we'll save that. Oh, okay. We'll save that till the end of the end of the episode. But yeah, like you know, I I do enjoy that. Like there wasn't really a forced Dewey Miss Mullins love relationship. I think there was supposed to be. I think they like in the original one or possibly whatever, they wanted to try yeah. and do it, but it kind of works that they. It kind of works that they don't. They and, don't. Like, I think I think what we're left with is that they both recognize these, each other as kind of outsiders in yeah. this world of, you know, this prep academy or whatever. And, like, so they kind of gravitate a little bit to each other. And, like, he obviously, he's kind of playing her a little bit because he needs her to approve this field trip. So they can go play the gig. But she, I think, genuinely feels good about how he makes her feel. Yeah. And, like, he doesn't make her feel like this authority figure that she obviously is but also doesn't like being and so there, there's kind of it's more of a friendship than, yeah. than anything else so i kind of like that you know 
they sort of, okay, we don't need that. You know, we're doing a lot of other things already. We don't yeah, need that yeah. as well. Mike White, the yes. writer of the show, we don't often talk about writers of the movies, unless I guess a, a director writer, but yeah. he is an interesting, interesting man. So he has since gone on, people may know him now as the creator of White Lotus. Mm-hmm. Do you watch White Lotus? No, I think I tried to start watching the first episode and then Briar woke up or something oh. happened and I stopped watching and I just kind of haven't got back to it again. So I never watched it because Jennifer Coolidge was the star. And yeah. I'm not a big fan of Jennifer Coolidge. Like, we just did Legally Blonde and I don't think I mentioned her name once. I was going to say, I don't think we talked about her at all? Yeah, because I'm not necessarily is a she, fan. Is she like your Jack Black? No, like... There, there's nothing like that. Like she doesn't like offend me in any way or anything like that. It's it's more just like the things that I've seen her in. She's not my favorite parts of any okay. of them. You know what I mean? Like she was in the American Pie movies and things like that. It's sort of like okay, cool. Like you're there, but like that's not my favorite part yeah. of any of those things. And so when she was the star, the lead of White Lotus, I was sort of like, ah, uh, well, like do I really want to spend that much time with Jennifer Coolidge? I don't know. <laughs> and so. I didn't watch season one at all. I sort of just like let that go. But then season two became this huge deal. And I think she's in season two as well. Yep. And now I'm kind of like, like, am I missing out? Like, <laughs> do I just have to get over this Jennifer Coolidge thing? Yeah. And and just tune in and watch this this White Lotus show because uh, it is just steamrolling. Like it is, it's a big deal. So. Yeah. So yeah, he wrote it. Yeah. he Yeah. He's the creator of White Lotus. But then the other thing that he did, which like might only be interesting to me, okay. is he finished second place at a season of Survivor. Seriously? Yeah. He was on, he's a big fan. And okay. And so he went on one of those gimmicky years of like, you know, the haves and the have nots or whatever. And like, he's a yeah. big Hollywood writer, producer, filmmaker. And he went on that and apparently like he was really good. Like his social game was really fucking strong. And he got to he got to the final and he got votes in the final and he finished second place. Oh my god. Who beat him? Well, the guy who I don't know, like oh, okay. some some no name person. But oh, okay. like yeah, like Jeez, I just imagine think, like, being able to go home and saying that you beat Well, Mike yeah. White. Yeah, exactly. But like imagine being him being like, like I didn't need to do this. Yeah. But like I'm just a fan of Survivor. Well, like they're all fans now, but you know, I'm just a fan of Survivor. I went on and finished second place. Like, he, he went ni- 39 days. Like, he, he went the whole distance. Wow. So, you, you sort of got to give him some credit. Yeah, I don't think when I was watching it this time, I didn't realize he wrote it. Yeah. Um. And so then I kind of loved that he just wrote himself as... The best friend. The best friend, the yeah. nerdy guy yeah. and stuff. Like, I enjoy... I enjoy sometimes when people write movies and just write themselves in as almost a nothing character yeah. like not the hero not the hero because it's kind of nice just to be like yeah you just you just wanted to be a part of it yeah <laughs> like well like so yeah you do you also wonder like could they not find anyone for that yeah. role or like had he always written it to be like yeah this is me yeah the, this character like you know he's an interesting character the ned guy where he's sort of like he was with dewey for a long time in the bands and in music and then was like we weren't good. Yeah. So like And he I, grew up. He I, yeah, yeah. I stopped doing it and became a teacher. And um yeah, I just love I love him and I love Sarah Silverman. I was about to talk about her. I love their relationship. Yeah. Because like she's often like because she's a comedian, she's often cast as like the kooky one. Yeah. But in this she's like 
a real bitch. And it's sort of like, <laughs> she's really good. She's really good at it. So. Because I think she sees Dewey as like an anchor. Oh, right? yeah. Like, so like he is weighing down Ned's character and like her relationship to Ned and stuff like that. And like, if Ned just kind of grew up that little bit more. And kicked Dewey out. Of, and kicked Dewey yeah. out or like grew up that little bit more and realized that like Dewey's not doing you any favors right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I think I think what's interesting with the with the Ned character is that yes, his two relationships are Dewey and then um, what's her is her Patty? name Patty Patty yes, and like both of them are using and manipulating yes. him just in like opposite directions. Yeah. <laughs> like you know Dewey's yes, what you were saying there like he's clearly an anchor and like you know dragging um, uh, Ned back to this world that like is not good for him. Yeah. But then she's also, like, really horrible to him. But, like, she is trying to push him along and, like, you know, get him to grow up and, you know, reach his potential. But, like, she's not doing it in a very nice way. No, no. She's so, not nice about yeah. it. So I do, I do like that he, he you know, closes the door mid-rant on her. Like, he doesn't even let her finish yeah. <laughs> the rant and he, and he closes the door on her. But, yeah, I just think, like, I don't know, Mike White, he's, like, one of these guys that just, like all of a sudden has become a big deal and it's sort of like, yeah, he, he wrote this movie 20 years ago and like gave himself a really nothing part. And yeah. I think the trivia said when I was looking it up afterwards, he came up with the idea because Jack Black moved into his building. Oh, okay. And so Jack Black was his neighbor yeah, and just, just like, around. and would just see Jack Black being Jack Black. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And just like running up and down the halls and being really loud and stuff. And so when I read that, I was like, yeah, I get that feeling that you two would just kind of coexist in the same space. <laughs> well, I think like you can see the potential of like Jack Black as a teacher of of young children. Where it's like, that's funny. Like, yeah. you know, like that that's built in. There's some funniness already there because of his personality versus, you know, the young kids and things like that. The... Mm -hmm. Do we want to talk about the kids at all? Do you have any notes on the kids? Well, I like. The, I think the kids are mostly fine. Like, I'm not okay. here to necessarily criticize child performances. Like, <laughs> none of them really went on to have big careers in in music or movies. I think they're mostly fine. Yeah. Like, none of them really stand out. The one who stands out is Miranda Cosgrove, who is the one who had the big career afterwards. Um. So, like, she's really good. She has a lot of scenes with Jack Black where, like, she has to act opposite him and... He is acting like the child that he always is. And she acts like this 40-year-old woman. Yeah. And she's 10. Yeah. It's like, yeah, she's really good. Yeah. So I went, because I was kind of curious if maybe just as they got older, I didn't recognize them or whatever. But yeah, none of them, other no. than her, none of them went on to do anything. Most no. of them, this is the only movie they ever this did. Is the, like, this is so. it. And like, you, you wonder, like, with most child actors, like, were they just cast because... You know, Zach could play the guitar. Yeah. And these other ones could sing. But, like, they didn't actually want to be actors. Things of that. Sort of like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what you do when you're 10 years old doesn't necessarily have to be something that you do when you're 40 years old. Like, they could have really been into music as a 10-year-old. And then they turned 11 and they're sort of like, mm, it's not for me anymore. And it's like, yeah. Exactly. That, like, yeah. that happens all the time. So, like, I think, yeah, they're, they're, they're good. And, like, the, but, like, I'm not watching the movie for the kids yeah you know what i mean that's so, fair especially not as a 34 year old <laughs> not not anymore maybe the first time we watched it 
the appeal was like, oh, it's a bunch of kids. But yeah. like, yeah, not I anymore. Could, I could be them. Not but anymore. Not no. anymore. No. Okay. Um, the Battle of the Bands. Okay. The last scene here. My hot take is that we only get to see two songs. We get yeah. to see Dewey's old band and they're doing the song that they were practicing when they kick him out of the band. And then we get to see the School of Rock. Do Zach's song. Do Zach's song. Yeah. yeah. Um, my hot take, both songs are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Neither song should have won. No. Um, I have been to Battle of the Band shows. Oh, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen, you know, lots of music live over my life. And if a group of kids got up on stage and like performed, <laughs> and even if they performed well, which like they do in the movie, there's no fucking way I'm voting for a, <laughs> a child band. To get, how much money were they getting? $20,000. Yes. <laughs> there's no chance. There's no chance. That's, you know what I mean? So like, even if the song was. Spectacular. The fucking Beatles. <laughs> it's not winning. And like the song that they sang is not the Beatles. No. So, but like now that being said, the like Creed ripoff that is No Vacancy, the other band that does win. It's that like, was that's, awful. That's bad. That is bad. So bad. So yeah. like I don't know music like really at all, but I'm thinking you're going to battle bands like rock music. Don't play a soft ballad. Oh, it's it was, like... it's so bad. It's such, it's a bad song. But like, I think the. The movie obviously knows it's bad and like, you know, that's why they get rushed off the stage yeah. at the end of the movie and whatnot. I do think it is funny that like the the triumphant moment of School of Rock getting uh, an encore, we're sort of led to believe like, oh, the, the crowd loved them and, and, you know, wanted them back for another song. And like, yeah. maybe that is true. Maybe that is true. Okay. We don't know who was performing for the rest of the day. Maybe the School of Rock quite literally were the best band. I highly doubt it. But watching it again the other day, I was like, oh, the chant was started by their parents. Yeah. So like, of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I've been in those shows. I've been in those things. It's like, if a chant starts, you will just join in. Uh, because it's funny to join in. Yeah. And But like, the chant was started by their parents. And so Ned. It's like, well, and, and Ned, yes. But like... <laughs> Sort of like it's not necessarily an organic uprising <laughs> of you know fans for School of Rock. So I, I just sort of thought that was that was a bit funny. Where it's like, yeah, it was their fucking parents who started this chant. And it's like, yeah. So would you have liked it to have cut to just regular audience members and for them to have started the chant? Well, I would have believed the parents, it more. And the parents join in. Yeah, I would. On... I would have believed it okay. more if 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 random audience members had started the School of Rock chant. And then the parents joined in. I would have been like, oh, that's, you know, that, for me, that would have been like, oh, the, the crowd does that's fair. love them. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't know. It's supposed to be a, it's borderline a kid's movie. So like, yeah, you know, we're supposed to just go out on a high and that's fine. I will say, kind of talking about the music, although it's been years since I've seen it, I did remember a lot of the songs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I kind of remembered yeah. a lot of the lyrics or like the tunes or whatever. So when they were in the classroom and they were practicing, I was like, I don't think that's the song that they sing at the end of the right, movie, like right and stuff. So I will say for the movie at least, that so, part something is stuck in is, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, just before we go, okay. The last thing I'm I'm gonna say, my note on Spider. Yes. Spider, the guy who performs at the Battle of the Bands in leather pants and then like a leather shoulder top, like like. 
it just covers his neck and shoulders and arms. Yes. But like his whole torso is exposed. Well, yes, because he's got that wonderful tattoo. He's got the big tattoo yeah. in the middle of his chest. Uh, he has gone on to become a lawyer and a district attorney in Texas. You're kidding. No. So there, like, there is a very, very likely scenario where he becomes a like, you know, House of Representatives person or or like a senator of Texas in in the next, I would say, five to ten years. Like he is he's on that path. People oh my god! Have, people have talked about him like going into higher office and things like that. There's oh a very god. likely case where there will be a Senator Spider in the next few years. Because yeah, like I'm looking. Jesus, Senator Spider. Um, I'm looking at his filmography or whatever and it wasn't like school of rock was the last thing he did nope he went on to do things yeah so he was, like he was like a model and stuff yeah uh before this movie he was pretty young too he was like 22 or 23 when he made this movie like he he looks rough he, mm-hmm. he looks a bit older did, like did you actively go and see what he had done after the movie to know uh, this fact or it, it like or it, is it because you knew it this came documentary up- no, 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 no. So, like, it came across, um, it came across my like radar a couple months ago. Somebody posted because it's like the twentieth anniversary or whatever of the, of the movie. Somebody posted a like, where are they now? Where are they now? And it okay. was mostly the kids who are like, you know, they're just off living their lives and things like that. But then, like, one of the last posts was Spider, and they're like, yeah, Spider has become a district attorney <laughs> in oh Texas. My God, so everyone was like, what the fuck? <laughs> But yeah, so, you know. That's that's what Spider got up to. That's what he's doing now. <laughs> that's what he's doing now. So maybe Miss Mullins did sort him out. Yeah. Maybe she set him straight. <laughs> oh my God. So, you know, good for her. Yep. Any last things you want to say about School of Rock? No. Will, no. It, will it be another decade before you watch it again? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I think it's fine to have that kind of movie where, like, I don't feel the need to watch it once a year. But when it comes on, like, I'm happy enough to sit and watch it. I just could do without Jack Black for two hours, so. If Briar comes home with CDs from, like, Judas Priest and the Ramones and things like that, are you going to be like, you can't listen to this music. This is no good. Well, I'll know if she got it from you, yeah, so. Yeah, probably. That's what, I was, that's what I was saying. She can keep it all in mind. She can listen to it on vinyl yeah. at your place. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to tease next week? Uh, it's a movie I've never actually seen. Next week, it, it rips. Does it? It's a great, I fucking love it. Like, this might be the movie where I fell in love with Paul Bettany. Is Th- it? This is, the, I, I can almost definitively say that this is the movie why I love him so much. Okay. Is because of his performance in this movie. And so, yeah, I can't believe that you've never seen it. Yeah, once again, it's one that I've seen clips and things like that. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever yeah. sat down and watched it. Oh, interesting. So. Interesting. Oh. We, our discussion a couple weeks ago about Napoleon mm-hmm. and like the whole thing about using modern music in a sort of period older piece. period piece yeah. setting. This is the movie I was talking about where I was saying like there is one example that I think does it really, really well. Oh, okay. And like everything else I've ever seen try and do it is like because no, it's not very good. It doesn't work because I hold them all to this standard okay and like for whatever reason i think it's mostly the tone and we'll get into it next week but like it works 
it absolutely works in this movie of using modern music in in the period setting so well now yeah. i know something to keep in an ear open keep, for <laughs> yeah yeah well yeah you don't pay attention to the music so pay attention to the music in this one <laughs> it's it's quite important so yeah that'll be next week so we'll see everybody then see you then